Hey, hey, homebodies, what's happening? It's your girl Rachel Presser, the Toad Lady, coming at you live from the Bronx. And before we get started, a little word from our sponsor, House Naturals. House Naturals makes a variety of household cleaners with all natural, vegan, and green ingredients. So you can have a surety that <clears throat> when you scrub, you know, those uh, dishwashers and other stainless steel appliances, and uh, even like your windows, anything else that gets dirty... You have assurance that it's not made with any uh, nasty GMO-type ingredients. You can get it at Amazon, Walmart, Target, pretty much any other, like, large and small, um, you know, shrine to capitalism throughout America. And now, back to the show. So today, I'm going to be getting into how how coronavirus, you know, COVID-19, could possibly change home design and urban planning in the ensuing decades. So there's already been a ton of speculation on this, and so it's actually interesting that I'm revisiting this from when I initially published this article a few months ago, when we were just, you know, getting used to things and this hard new reality was setting in. Um, I even, like, got a little contradictory in that piece. I'm gonna talk about that. Um, because <coughs> there's gonna be, you know, some, yeah, some things are gonna change. You know, that's inevitable. You know, we see it, you know, the way it is now, where, uh, like, at the time of recording, there's, you know, a lot of people reasonably freaking out about what are we going to do, you know, in a month or two when kids have to start going back to school. You know, what are we going to do in these other situations where crowds of people are just, you know, inevitable? Like, how is, you know, urban planning going to change? What about real estate? You know, how is that going to change? You know, how... What about the way that people buy and sell homes? Because so, already we're starting to see more switches to these 3D tours. Like, I see that all over Zillow because I'm in apartment hunting mode now, even though I won't be able to actually act on it for a while. That doesn't stop my steady drip of Zillow porn, no less. Um, but I see it, yeah, quite frequently with these 3D tours of both sales and rentals, you know, the way that people are actually going through with moving and other things, you know, because that's all still happening, even though we're in the middle of a major crisis. And, you know, but people want to change the way that, like, some public buildings are going to be laid out, the way that, you know, the places that we live, you know, how is that going to, you know, pretty much help us be better prepared for a situation like this in the future? Because I know that, like, yeah, it's um, scary, it's uncertain now, even though, you know, we've had a couple months to get used to this, um, we're still going to be dealing with COVID for quite a while. And one of the predictions that I made is that average home size is likely to increase even more, even though the United States pretty much, you know, like already like leads the charge for like the largest, you know, single family home size in the world. Like when I, when I last got an average, it was like just under 2,400 square feet when, yeah, like, homes have just consistently gotten bigger and bigger, you know, over the years. Like, yeah, in comparison to, you know, to the data that that the U.S. Census had given me was that, yeah, the average home size in 1980 was 1,740 square feet. So that's, like, almost a 40% increase in just 30 years. And so with some of these newer developments being built, I think that we could see, yeah, even larger homes. But the other prediction that I made <coughs> was that 
there's going to be, you know, like, this mass urban exodus that could make, you know, one-bedroom and studio apartments like the one that I live in impossible to sell. But actually, I think it's the opposite now, since I initially wrote this. Because, you know, density alone has not been a major cause of why COVID has been rapidly spreading. It's namely, it's namely because you know, too many people keep crowding into areas that have no ventilation, like, say, you know, going to a restaurant, you know, versus being outdoors. And that's, like, what's really causing, you know, causing these particles to spread so easily. And, and so when you have a whole bunch of people, though, yeah, crammed into an apartment building like the one I live in, it still does have some undeniable risk factors. So because you have all these common elements like doorknobs, the el- the elevator, uh, mailboxes, um, any other common areas where people could be coming in and out of the building, especially here where you have a lot of, you know, delivery people constantly coming in and out of the building. Yeah, it does present more risk, but on the same token, it also means that, like, say, if you live in an average single-family home, let's say somebody, you know, in your family is sick, you know, with coronavirus, and they're sequestered, like, in a bedroom upstairs. Um, <clears throat> if they're near any ductwork, that could still get in, and that could actually, you know, still be far more likely, you know, to make you sick than, say, you know, like, a delivery person who happens to be infected. You know, yeah, yeah, he drops a pizza off, you know, outside my door or leaves it in the mailbox area. I go downstairs to get it, and then, but, it'll be, but he's still out of the building, like, in less than five minutes. That's still, yeah, the single-family home situation is the one with the higher risk, you know, in this particular situation. Um, Because, on the other hand, you're also going to have far more single households, you know, whether they're owning or renting. Um, Because I've discussed, you know, single homeowners and um, pretty much people who live alone in general, I discuss it quite a bit because... That's been my experience um, for about 15 years, um, which I realize is kind of an aberration for millennials. Um, Well, yeah, when you've lived here for fucking ever, like I have, you were able to benefit from far lower rents, yeah, like over a decade and a half ago. Um, Rent in the Bronx was extremely cheap at one time. (coughs) It still is pretty low relative to the other boroughs in the city, but, yeah, like, it's kind of wild to me just how drastically it's gone up. Because I remember that there was a time when you did not pay over $1,000 a month for an apartment here. Unless it was, like, a three or four bedroom unit, you know, meant for a large family. Or it's one of, like, the very, very few, well, at the time, very few at the time, uh, like, luxury units. Like, we just never really had them up here. Um, now though, oh no, you have like these batshit crazy like luxury developments turning up in the South Bronx where where you're not even like near anything, but they're turning up. (coughs) And, um, if I was going to rent out the the, the apartment that I own, I could get like 1500 bucks for it. And look, I lived here for five years. I don't fucking think it's worth 1500 bucks. Um, but it's crazy. Rent is too damn high. Uh, there's... Too many people, you know, seeking a place to rent, you know, relative to, you know, the rentals available for sale because 
people are hoarding buildings like freaking dragons in an RPG or something. It's disgusting. But either way, no matter how bad it gets, there's going to be, I think, more people seeking out their own apartments because they've been traumatized, you know, by having to be, like, hyper-vigilant, um, you know, with roommates or with, like, even living with family, especially if you have a household member who is an essential worker or someone who's being exposed to a lot of risk. Like, like, like when I go on Twitter, I've been seeing a lot of stories about nurses and other, and other like, hospital employees being evicted. Like, no real reason, you know, though they're paying their rent on time, but they're getting evicted just because, you know, the landlord and or like, a nosy neighbor knows who they work for and is like, oh, hell no, you're gonna get us all sick. Yeah, it's it's horrifying. Um, <clears throat> so I think that a lot of people, yeah, who live with roommates, you know, are kind of being traumatized by what's going on now, and <clears throat> they're really going to want to be able to like get their own place that low, so that so that God forbid something like this happens again, they can sequester, you know, without completely losing their sanity, and or better yet, you know, like be able to sequester without, you know, exposing, like, themselves or anybody else, you know, to disease. You know, as horrible as it is, you know, it's just, uh, <coughs> you know, it is what it is. So, yeah, we don't really know, like, what the world's gonna look like, you know, when we come out of this. Hopefully we're gonna emerge to a better, a more equitable one where you don't have to worry about fearing, you know, losing your damn home in a major crisis like this. Yeah, but we, we still don't really know what it's going to look like. But, you know, we'll keep an eye out. I'll probably, might probably still be ranting about architecture and apartment layouts here. So, yeah, if you want to see, you know, more, more of my work and about American home building, apartment living, and other topics, be sure to go check out homestragosphere.com. Give us a follow uh, on Twitter at homestragos, and I will catch you again next time.